Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with PMH Atwater, one of the original researchers, folks, in the field of near-death studies, having begun her work back in 1978. An international authority on the subject as well as an experiencer who died three times. Author of more than 20 books and has... uh, Served two terms on the International Association for Near-Death Studies on that board. She is an accomplished rune caster specializing in the yin or the feminine approach to rune use and an astrologer, numerologist, and PMH. Welcome back, and what a, what a career you've had. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been 43 years. It sure is. You know, I cannot go to an event without your name coming up from somebody. I mean, you really oh, you're hit. Kidding. No, it's amazing. And I'm really honored that you are on the show and have been on the show for so many times. It's fantastic. Well, it's fantastic to me, too, just hearing you say that. You are a giant in the field. <laughs> I don't feel like a giant. I feel <laughs> scruffy. <laughs> well, that's good. Do you, do you deal with uh, Raymond Moody anymore? Uh, yeah. Well, not that much. I deal mostly with Dr. Bruce Grayson and oh, Kenneth Ring. Oh, good but people. Not you're all good people in, yeah. in, in an incredible field, uh, truly. Now, this study is different. Tell me how the it's idea very, came very forth. Different. What happened? How did this start? Well, it started back in the 80s and, uh, and 90s. When I, um, when I first tackled children, because I noticed that child near-death experiencers were different than adults. You know, I'd been doing it, adults for many, many years, and... Uh, you know, I, it just troubled me that there wasn't really that much work out about children. Yes, there was some, but not enough. So I did my first study then mainly with the younger crowd. That is to say, I was interviewing or working with kindergartners wow. up to in their 20s and 30s. And, and so forward-looking forward-looking people, the young, looking forward. Um, But I found some things that really troubled me, and I couldn't get anybody else interested in doing it. I tried and tried and tried, couldn't get anybody else interested. So finally, after all these years, I decided, okay, enough of this. I'm going to go back and do it again, only this time. I'm going to go after the older crowd, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh-huh. who could remember having had and, and validate having had their near-death near experience between birth and the age of five. And so I asked them a question. I said, you know, did having such an experience at such an un at such a young age, did that have any effect on your life overall? So so I'm wanting an essay, really. I want to know about the family. I want to know about the children. I want to know, um, you know, your folks, brothers and sisters, school, sex, growing up, alcohol, sports, dating, um, going after a career. Falling in love, getting married, having children of your own, having grandchildren of your own. I want to know, did that have any effect? Uh, and I'll tell you, George, the essays that I got back, and many times I would uh, go back and I would make phone calls mm-hmm. or I, I would talk to them again. 
um, maybe through email, if I had questions about it. But, you know, some some of these essays I got were so tear-stained, I could hardly read them. Wow. One man who was, um, he had just retired, so he's in his late 60s. He wrote me a book, I swear, must have been about 40 or 50 pages, complete with photographs of his family as he, you know, grew up, and married, and all of this kind of sure. stuff. Um, because he'd never been able to tell anybody anything. And now, finally, he could open up. Boy, did he open up. It's a, it a gusher. And they never forget, do they? No. There's no problem with memory. We've already established this with adults. Does a child, PMH, understand what a near-death experience is when, when this happens to them? No. Do, they don't know what it is, do they? No. Uh-uh, they have no idea. And, in fact, their biggest puzzle is, what is life? Exactly. Because, because they're still in the other world, depending, of course, on the age. Now, if, it, if it's a birther, if it's, a, if it's um, a toddler, you know, they're still over there. They're not here. They're still over there. Now, most of these children grew up into adults when you interviewed them for the study, or did you also interview little kids? Well, the first study, yes, I did. The second study, no. So the, so the second study is looking backward. The first study is looking forward. Okay. Nobody else has done this, George. Nobody. No, this is, this is groundbreaking. Yeah, it's absolutely groundbreaking. Nobody has has um, has been able to look look at the full span of life from from the little bitty kid all the way up the, up to grandma and grandpa. What's the full span? And when you look at the full span, it's it's surprising, and in some cases, it's shocking. You know what's amazing too is memory. Uh, I remember back. The earliest I can remember, because I have an event that I remembered, I was 18 months old. My mother and my dad were leaving the house. They were living with his mother at the time. And I was there, and she was going to the hospital to give birth to my sister, Gail. And I was 18 months old. I told my mother when I grew up the coat she was wearing. When she went out the door, my, my, my sister was born in January, January 28th, so it's cold in Detroit. And I said, Mom, you were wearing a cream-colored coat, a long one, and she just stopped in her tracks. And she went, yes, I was. How did you know that? I said, well, I was in the bed, you know, with our uncle, and he's rocking me, uh, my dad's brother, and, you know, you and Dad were running out the door. And, you know, in those days, you didn't have that 911 call all the time. That's right. And, and so dad was taking mom to the hospital. And I remember all of that and told her uh, that's the youngest I remember anything. But it was an event that, that I remember. Well, most people can't, you know, can't re- remember um, that young. You're an exception there, but child near-death experiencers normally do. Um, some of them, maybe that's um, 
that might be gone, but they'll get it back when they're an adult. So when it does come back, it will stay. But for most of them, it's, it stays lifelong. Yeah, it, it really does. So what did you conclude with these 400-some childhood experiences? <laughs> oh, gee. Because <laughs> um, I know you concluded something. <laughs> you know, it, it, um, well, the main thing I have c- concluded here is that you and I, the entire public, all of us, we missed it. This, this out-of-the-mouth-of-babe syndrome, we all get tied up and um, are so hanging on the edge here. When the little children talk about their experiences, they talk about God, they talk about angels, they talk about all kinds of things, and we're hanging on this. And of course we do. You know, this is out of the mouth of babes. But but who does follow up? Ten years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later? Who's doing follow up on child experiencers? Um, we've got a few that maybe followed up, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years. That's it. Great name for the book, The Forever Angels, about these childhood experiences. When when they related the stories to you as adults, how did it affect them? And how has it affected them? Because that's the basis of your study as well. What did these near-death experiences do for them as they grew up, PMH? Uh, in some Sometimes it, it was it was very mixing. Um, sometimes it helped. Sometimes it didn't help. It depends on the individual. Um, and I and I will and I want to explain that by saying many of these children are still on the other side. So their their um, puzzle is how to behave like other kids, like other kids in the family, in school. These kids come back, almost all of them, more intelligent than the average child, many of them highly intelligent, so they know their Hmm. parents. They uh, They know more than their parents. They know more than the school teachers. They know more than adults. And so their puzzle is, how do I handle this? Are they healthy? Most of them are. Not all of them, of course, but most of them are. So so whatever put them in that near-death state, they've been able to battle that. Okay. Right. Many of them, yes. Uh, Of course, not all of them, but many of them, yes. So so they're having to grow up in a world that... um, that confuses them. With many of them, uh, it puzzles them uh, because it doesn't match what they know. Um, it, it can be extremely confusing. Let, 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 me, let me get... Um, An example? Yeah. Drawn to and highly proficient in math, science, and history. You wouldn't think they would be drawn to that, but they are. Uh, hmm. Adult experiencers are just the opposite. Opposite, but with a child, 
they're more experienced in math, science, and history. Ninety-three, ninety-three percent. That's huge. Of those nearly four hundred people, now onto that field. Of those four hundred, what were their general age brackets primarily? You mean when the experience occurred? Or no, when they were telling you the stories or the, or or the uh, part of the study, were they mostly adults at that time? Well, the first study, they were children and young adults. With my second study, all adults, many of them mature adults. Who had who had these experiences when they right. were five, six, whatever, maybe even babies, right? Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. What kinds of illnesses got them to put to put them in that near well, death? Sometimes state? hit by lightning. Sometimes uh, freezing, drowning. Uh, most of these cases hit by a come car, from abuse whatever. issues, uh, drowning, high fever, uh, this kind of thing. Did you find that most of these children who now became adults? beyond the gift of, you know, mathematics and things like that that they picked up, were they nice people or were they bitter? Well, let me give you some figures here. Okay. 34% were positive about having their near-death experience. 61% were negative. That's a lot. 61% were negative because, get this, because growing up and finding their place in life was just too difficult. Interesting. It followed them along as they were growing well, up. Well, they, they, they couldn't figure things out. Or if they did, if they, did uh, they were bullied, or they didn't fit in, or they were lonely, or um, it, it seemed like they just didn't quite fit in with with the crowd, or if they did fit in. Um, were they introverts? Some were introverts. Some were extroverts. Didn't seem to matter uh, whether they uh, really jumped in and became uh, sports and parties and all this kind of stuff, or whether they drew back and were more shy. Didn't seem to matter. Uh, they still didn't quite fit in. They still didn't quite understand. Uh, it took them a little bit longer. These are these uh, non-traditional, non-conformist attitudes. They have a unique way of thinking. How about relationships? Was it difficult for them to have a relationship? Yeah. Yeah, that's a biggie. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Oh, yes. Yes, because, you know... Um, they were just, uh, um, well, a non-traditional, non, non-conformist attitude. Of course they didn't all f- always, fit, uh, always fit in. Um, did they know they had near-death experiences, or did they need you to tell them that? How do I answer that? their feeling, their knowledge of the world was very different from other people. No, not all of them knew they had a near-death experience. Um, No, they didn't necessarily need me to tell them. Sometimes they read about it. 
sometimes they heard about mm-hmm. IANS, the International Association for Near Death Studies. Sometimes they got it in the news, talking to other people, but they didn't necessarily connect the dots. They just felt that they were different, um, nonconformist. They didn't quite fit in, um, and they didn't necessarily know why. Some of them did when they got older, like this fellow, um, uh, this retired fellow. Um, he knew he was different. He knew he had. Um, he was. He was very spiritual. He. He sort of understand understood the other side. What he didn't understand was this side. You know. Right. Right. You know. How do I be a husband? How do I be a father? How do I grow up as he, a man? He couldn't fit in, could he? Um, it was very difficult for him to. Yes, he fit in. Um, but it was kind of lonely, kind of different. He couldn't tell anybody. Um, you and I would call it play acting. Um, you know, how do I fit in here? Um, were they frustrated? Some of them were, some of them were lost, some of them were challenged. I, I, I can't say necessarily frustrated, um, across the board, but I can say, um, they, they went through a whole, certainly a, a, a whole scheme of things here in, in trying to find out how to, how, to, how do I make it in this world like everybody else is. Um, adults will integrate their experience. Children will compromise. Um, the average adult, George, takes, no, oh, maybe um, seven to ten years to integrate their experience. The average child takes 20 to 40 years. Wow. That's because they compensate. They don't integrate. That's amazing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.